Today, I'm actually super excited. A running joke for those of you who don't know, usually when I get up and preach, I always say I'm super excited. Um, But today, I'm actually like properly excited. Uh, We're beginning a series today. It's called the DNA Series. Uh, For those of you who were at our annual general meeting last year in December, uh, we kind of told you guys about some things that we felt like the Lord was um, leading us to, to press into in the beginning of this year, some core values, some things that we believe are the DNA and, and, and the things that make Catalyst Church what it is. And I have the awesome privilege of starting off this series today. We're beginning the DNA series today. Um, if you have your Bibles, show me who has their Bible, who brought their physical Bible this morning. Matt has his physical Bible, that's good. Noel has his technological Bible, that's okay. I love the physical Word of God. The electronical Word of God is also amazing. The physical one is my preference. Um, If you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to read just a couple of verses from Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be flipping through the Bible a little bit this morning. I've got probably five or six different references and points of Scripture that I really feel like the Lord highlighted. Um, it's always interesting starting a new series because I, I, I'm so passionate about what I believe God has spoken to us about our DNA and, and I want to just get started and I want to I be preaching on the things that are a part of our DNA. However, I really felt like the Lord uh, was asking me to kind of preach two sermons in one this morning. Um, so I'm going to be kicking off the series, yes, but I'm also going to be talking about um, obedience and surrender in both of it. And I, and I really like the way that God throughout this week as I've prepared has just tied this together for me. So if you want to open to Matthew chapter 7, if you're already there, awesome. And so this is the parable of the two builders. We're going to, go, we're going to read verses 24 through 27. Now, most of you would know this story. I'm pretty sure everyone would know this story. Um, but it says in verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who has built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, for it was founded upon the rock. But everyone who hears of these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain will descend and the floods will come and the wind blew and it beat on the house and it fell and it was a great fall. It goes on to say in verse 28, And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not just as scribes. Now, the time and place of when Jesus uh, told this parable to the people was, it was just after, it was actually a part of his Sermon on the Mount. And this, to me, is probably one of my favorite uh, passages, favorite parts of Scripture. The Sermon on the Mount, it's about two, two and a half, nearly three chapters of wisdom that Jesus spoke in a continuous sermon to the people. You know, who here knows what the Beatitudes are, the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes, that is a part of the Sermon on the Mount. He teaches on wealth, he teaches on oaths, he teaches on love, he teaches on so many different things. But he finishes his teaching, he finishes what he says by telling this parable, a very simple parable, a parable about a man who built his house on the rock, a parable about a man who built his house on the sand, 
and the outcome of the story is what we've just read. It got me thinking about our DNA series. You know, we have seven... I printed them out and wrote them down just so I wouldn't forget. We have seven different statements of faith, statements of belief, uh, statements that we believe are core values of this house. I'm going to read them to you. We believe that we are dedicated to love without limits. We are a diverse body united with purpose. We are willing to challenge cultural norms. We champion God's kingdom. We choose hope in all circumstances. We experience God's relevance in all that we do. And we make evident our restoration through God's power. See, these are, these are awesome statements. These are, these are powerful statements. These are statements of truth. These are statements about who we are. Much like the statements that Jesus made on the Sermon on the Mount. You see, he, he, he spent quite a fair amount of time with with this large multitude of people preaching truth to them, telling them what his father has told him, telling them the ways of heaven and the ways of the kingdom, telling them that blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. It it is this incredible portion of scripture that, that has so much for us today. Now, while these statements of faith aren't Scripture, they are based upon Scripture, and we believe them to be true. I want to ask you a question as we begin this series, because I believe that no matter what is said by the person who delivers each message on the different points, I believe that you will only get out of this series what you decide to put in. You, you could walk away from this series over the next eight weeks and you could hear every message and you could, uh, you know, hear the truth and receive the truth and believe the truth. But you could be like the, ma- like the man who built his house upon the sand. And you could be the man who, whose house fell when the storm came because it was not built on the foundation of the rock. What, what are you going to put in over the next coming weeks? And there may be some weeks that you put in more. And there may be some weeks that you, you push more into what we're talking about and you read more in your word and you pray more. And there may be weeks where you do it less. There may be weeks where you, maybe you don't move on to the next point and maybe you stay with you know, uh, a diverse body united in purpose. Maybe God really meets you in that and, and maybe, we spend the next, maybe you spend two or three weeks pushing into that really hard. Are we going to be a people who build their house upon the rock? And, and the rock isn't our core values. The rock isn't our DNA. The rock is Jesus Christ. The rock is God. The rock is his word. And, and out of that has been formed what we believe God is calling us to as a church. Out of that, we have these statements. Out of that, we are able to do things. We are able to build because of that. I couldn't help but look into some scientific kind of things when when we're talking who here when they hear the word or they hear the acronym dna they think like science straight away i'm one of them there's a few i think most people would um i found it i remember hearing i i don't know what i was doing it was probably like a tv show or something like that but i remember hearing this statement about our dna and about how much dna strand we actually have in our body and I remember being blown away and thinking like, 
oh my Lord, we have so much DNA with inside of us. And this morning, as I was just uh, praying and spending time with God and just kind of putting the message together, my, my message together, I, I was researching, I was Googling, you know, how much DNA does a human have? You know, what kind of, like, how do, how do we measure it? And apparently the average human has 20 to 25,000 um, strands, cells, DNA things. I'm not sure of the word. But apparently there's 20 to 25,000 amount worth of DNA within the average human being. Surprisingly though, the average human being only uses 8.6% of the DNA within us. I didn't know that until this morning, until this science thing I was reading. And I discovered that we have 25, roughly 20 to 25,000 DNA strands, cells, and we only use 82 to 8.6% of them. Interesting, isn't it? And it made me think, like, why do, we, why do we have so much DNA inside of us if it's not being used? Unfortunately, I ran out of time to find that answer. I'm going to probably go home and search it later. But it got me thinking about what we are going to be learning over these next eight weeks. It got me thinking, like, wow, how much of what I learn am I actually going to use? You see, because to me, I, I think it's, a waste if we sit at that like 8.6% mark. I don't want to walk away from these next eight weeks only doing 8% of what's been said. I don't want to walk away from these next, next eight weeks understanding and, and believing in only 8%. And I'm not saying we have to be 100%, but I'm, I'm, I, I would love to pose a question to you that what are we going to do? What are we going to put in ourselves to these next eight weeks? Because no matter what I say, no matter what Matt says if he preaches, no matter what whoever else says if they preach, it, it's about what are you going to do with what's being said. If you want to turn to Exodus chapter 17 and put one finger there, and then if you want to turn, turn to Numbers chapter 20, and put one finger there. Exodus 17 and Numbers chapter 20. Both really well-known stories. Until today, actually, this is something that I learned, actually, sorry, a couple of days ago. Until a couple of days ago, I actually thought that Numbers and Exodus, that the story that I'm about to read about Moses striking the rock, I actually thought it was the same story that was being told. And then, but that, that was because I'd never read the Numbers one before, but I knew that there was another story. Because sometimes you know how, um, so like with Chronicles and Samuel and Kings, a lot of the books are intertwined and their stories run together. I actually thought that the story in Exodus 17 was the same story just rewritten, rewritten in Numbers 20, but it is definitely not. And I discovered that this week. So if you're in Exodus 17, you can open up to there. We're going to read from verse 1. Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in the Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses replied to them and said, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? 
And the people thirsted for water there. And they complained against Moses and said, Why is it that you've brought us and our children out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? And so Moses cried out to God saying, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord says to Moses, Go before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand the rod which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Herob, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And so he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah, because the contention of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord not among us? Moses strikes the rock. The people of Israel are thirsty. Uh, they come to Moses and they question Moses, they complain to Moses, they ask him the question, why have you brought us out of Israel to just perish here in the desert and die of thirst? Why, Moses, have you done this? Moses goes to the Lord, cries out to God for guidance, for, for an answer, for a miracle. God speaks, says, take your rod, take the elders, go to this rock, stand before the people of Israel, And in my name, strike the rock and water will come out of it. And that's what happens. Water flows out of it. If you want to turn to Numbers chapter 20. I'm going to read from verse uh, verse 2. Now there was no water for the congregation. So they gathered against Moses and Aaron. Just a reminder that this is not the same story. This is another time. They are back at the same place. This is, uh, this is later on in their journey as they're wandering through the wilderness. They are now back at the same place. They are back in the same wilderness and they are questioning Moses and Aaron about where their water is going to come from. So now there was no water for the congregation and so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. And the people contended with Moses saying, if only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. I'm just going to pause here for a second. Who here feels like they could relate to the people of Israel? Because I, like, I know I certainly can. Because there are, there are times in our lives where we're in a circumstance and we're praying, God, would you bring your breakthrough? Would you please just come through? Like, I need you. There's nothing I can do. And God comes through. And then we go on a journey and we live our lives and we come to a point, maybe six months, maybe a year, maybe two years, 10 years down the road. And we're back at that same spot. Maybe our issue is a little bit different. Maybe it's the same. Maybe we're experiencing the same trial, the same questions. We're needing the same breakthrough. And we're like, God, like, where are you at? What are you doing? Where are you? It's so easy to forget things that the Lord has said and things that the Lord has done. You know, in Revelation, it says that the testimony is the spirit of prophecy. And I wonder, I just wonder what the Israelites would have been like in that situation. If they had known the truth, 
if they had experienced, if they had the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. I wonder if they would have in that moment been complaining to Moses and Aaron or would they have been reminding themselves of what the Lord had done and using that testimony, prophesying it into being again? That's the question I have. You see, we can often find ourselves in similar situations to that of the Israelites. However, we have the added advantage that we have Jesus Christ inside of us and that we have the Holy Spirit with us as well. So unlike them who were in a position where the, they would hear from God through their leaders, we're in a position now where we have Jesus Christ inside of us, where we have the Lord inside of us, where He, he dwells within us. He, does no long, he, he no longer dwells in the temple. We are His temple. And so uh, one thing that I want to just quickly say as we go through this series or even just in life in general, is do not forget the testimony of the Lord. For His testimony is the spirit of prophecy. And there is no word that a leader can say. There is no message that I can preach, no message that Matt can preach that can be greater than recalling on the power of God that has been experienced in your life. So as we push into this series, please do not forget. Remember, recall, prophesy the testimony of God. Verse 7 onwards, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take your rod, you and your brother gather the congregation together and speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before, as the Lord had commanded him. And Moses gathered the assembly together, and before the rock he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? And then Moses lifted his hands and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly, and the animals drank. Woohoo! They drank. They got water. Awesome. Isn't that just what they wanted? Yeah? That's what they wanted. They wanted water to drink, didn't they? Who here can see a little bit of a discrepancy between what God said and what Moses did? In verse 12, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, and he said, because you did not believe me, because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given him. Because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. It's a pretty somber ending to a pretty awesome story of God showing up, isn't it? It was amazing for the, the children of Israel, but for Moses and for Aaron, unfortunately, that was the, from that point onwards, that became the, the end of their leadership and their authority over the people of Israel. From that moment onwards, Aaron and Moses were no longer permitted, were no longer blessed to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. 
a calling and a, a word from God that Moses, for the better part of 30 years, had led with, in an instant, was gone. How shattering that must have been for Moses. A split-second decision. A, a decision that, in, in reading this story, it may seem insignificant that Moses struck the rock twice. But it is entirely the most significant part of this story. It is something that can be read over, but it, it is not something that can be missed. You see... God calls for absolute obedience, absolute surrender to Him. And Moses, out of frustration, out of being annoyed at the people of Israel, in essence, he disobeys God because God asks him to speak to the rock. God tells him, speak to the rock. And let my children see that as you speak, water will come out in abundance and it will be all that you need. However, Moses strikes a rock. Water still comes out, but Moses strikes a rock and he didn't follow God. As I was praying about this series and, and praying about today, I, I just felt like there was such a strong pull in my heart from the Lord that we would be a, a people of obedience. That us talking about DNA and us talking about our core values, that it wouldn't be that we would be obedient to the, the catalyst cause, the, the catalyst virtues, the catalyst DNA. Because yes, like I believe they are from God. But m what I felt like the Lord was asking me to, to, to say to you all was that He's calling for absolute obedience and surrender to Him. And that out of that place, out of that place of you saying, God, I surrender everything. Out of that place of complete obedience, out of that place of following his instructions to the letter, that you would experience his breakthrough, that you would experience his truth, that you would experience his love for you dedicated to you without limits, that you would experience him that you would experience his kingdom. You see, because I'll say it again, it, it doesn't matter how great we preach this. It doesn't matter how many fancy words that I can come up with, how many jokes that I can chuck in a message to make you guys laugh, to make you remember our points, to make you remember these seven, what I believe to be awesome statements. It it doesn't matter what I do. The onus is on us. It's on you. It's on me. Because it's for us and for God. You see, because I believe that if I was to share these things with you without announcing them as catalyst things, I think we would believe that all these things are things that we believe to be true about God and that we believe about His kingdom. You see, our DNA that makes us up doesn't come from catalyst. It, it doesn't come from what we do or what we say. It comes from you knowing Him. It comes from you spending time with Him. 
It comes from you being transformed into his likeness. It comes from you surrendering all to him. Always has been him. It always will be him. It's him. Something I find interesting about this story and with Moses. You see, because I I think that, I I don't think Moses, I don't know, I'm speculating here, but I, I don't think Moses would have struck the rock intending to be disobedient to God. I don't think he heard God speak and say, speak to the rock and water will come out and went to the rock and then was like, you know what, God, I'm doing it my way. I'm striking that rock. I don't know, but I, I don't believe that he was, it was his intention to disobey God in that way. Now, there are multiple things that I think about this. Maybe, maybe one reason why Moses struck the rock instead of speaking to it, maybe it was because of Maybe it was because of the fact that he had already done it before. Maybe because it was familiar. That would make sense. Like, oh, I'm back at this rock again. I'm back here with my rod. God said to bring my rod. I've done it before. Let's do it again. Maybe it was familiar, 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 familiarity. Anyways, you get the picture. (laughs) I do that so often with that word. Maybe it was because of that word that Moses struck the rock. Who knows? But it's applicable for us though. It's applicable for us and, and here's why I believe it's applicable for us. Because we don't want to become, I personally, I do not want to become a person, a child of God that becomes familiar or too familiar, shall I say, with the things of God. I never want to get to the point of my life where it's so familiar to see someone get saved that it no longer becomes a moment where I'm so ecstatic for that person. I never want to get to the stage where I see that many miracles that... I'm just so used to it and I don't even want to give glory to God. I never want to get to the point that I can step into a room and be in His presence and not want to fall to my knees in worship because of how holy He is. I hope that I never get to that place. I hope that we never get to that place. And, and And I'm going to leave you guys with this. These, these things are amazing. These statements are amazing. The It's based upon biblical truth. But I just want to encourage you all that as we remember the testimony, that as we remember what he says, as we use the testimony as a spirit of prophecy, that as we don't forget, that we would not become too familiar. Because both are not great. Both are not the answer. But there's a sweet spot right in the middle. There's a spot where we find ourselves with God, knowing what He's done, knowing what He can do, remaining thankful. Because 
in the, rea- the, the reality is, guys, that I believe that you will get so much out of this series. Whether from what you hear, from what we preach, from what's said on a Sunday morning, from what you hear from in your activate groups as we go through it, from what you get in your private time with God, I believe there will be so much that you get, that the Lord will give. When I asked you the question, what are you going to put into this series? I already knew the answer to that question of what needs to be put in for this series. You see, all God asks for, our greatest commandment, is that we would love Him with all of our hearts, our souls, and our minds. And what you need to do in this series, what I'm proposing to you is that all you need to do is surrender and to love him and to say yes to him and watch him be faithful. Watch him show up. Watch him be good. Watch him be kind. Watch him be your way maker. Watch him be your miracle worker. Watch him be your promise keeper. Because it doesn't say in Matthew chapter 7, it it, it doesn't say that there's a list of 10 things that we have to do. It's as simple as a man building his house upon the rock. My question to you is, who is your rock? Who is the rock upon which you stand? Because it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. If you want to just close your eyes, I just want to pray for you guys. We're going to, I want to set up a little bit of a moment where we can just spend some time with the Lord. Because as I've, as I've said, it, it's not, as amazing as the content that we have, it's, it's not about the content. As amazing as the words, hopefully, that I have to say, it's not about the words that I have to say. Because you will be receiving from Him, through Him, because it is Him. And so I wanted to, I I want to pray for everyone. And then I want to actually just give you a moment where you can actually just sit with God. And maybe it's a moment where there are things in your life that you haven't surrendered to Him. Maybe it's a moment where there are things that you may have done previously that disobeyed Him. I want to give you guys the opportunity that if you would take it, that between you and the Lord, that you would actually come back to a place of knowing that forgiveness is given to you, that He he has forgiven you, that He will forgive you, sorry, that he will forgive you. Because unlike Moses, who made a mistake and paid the, paid the price by punishment, we had a Savior who died 2,000 years ago on a cross that for all of eternity, we would be saved by him and through him. Just before I pray, just while everyone's eyes are closed and their heads are bowed, I also wanted to create an opportunity for anyone in the room who um, may not, may have walked away from God. Maybe you, you're in a position where you don't know where you stand with Him. 
Maybe there are things that you do and you're questioning whether or not he would accept you back. I just want to create a a moment for you to actually personally respond to that, if that is you this morning. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, I I just want to ask you that um, if that is you this morning and your heart's pounding and there's a tug on your heart that you would just raise your hand because I would love to pray for you. There is no shame. There is no condemnation. There is only freedom. There's only hope. If you would just repeat this prayer after me, and I'm going to pray for you guys. Dear Jesus, Lord, I'm sorry. God, I repent for the things that I've done. Lord, I ask that you would come into my heart right now. I know that you cleanse me. I know you call me your son and your daughter. I accept you into my heart as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Just keep your head, heads bowed and eyes closed. I just want to pray for you. God, I just pray that you would just touch our hearts this morning. Lord, in the areas where we may have disobeyed, God, in the areas where we haven't surrendered fully to you. Lord, right now in this moment, we just hand it all over. God, we surrender. God, we lay our lives down at your feet. We say that you can have it all. We give it all to you, Jesus. And God, we know in return that you are depositing your DNA into our hearts this morning. God, that you are speaking life into our dry bones. God, we believe in you. We honor you. We love you. Rachel's just going to play in the back right here for the next couple of minutes. And if, if there's something that, as I shared just before, if there's something that you, you feel like you haven't given over to God, I would just encourage you right now in this moment, just take a couple of moments. We're going to just leave a couple of minutes here for you to just talk to God about it. Maybe it includes writing something in a journal. Maybe it includes praying. Whatever you need right now in this moment, I just want to encourage you to take that with God. Dear God, we just, we give it over to you this morning. Every area of our hearts, every area of our lives.